Like, I have always been raised to have a voice, and, and especially, you know, being a minority where I grew up, like, no one was going to advocate for me. I've never had that as an option. Like, that's, you know, um, I mean, besides my parents and stuff, but when I would go to school, I had to, like, fend for myself, you know? Like, you have to, you have to either let the whole world crap on you or, like, find your voice. Right. And so I did that. Welcome to another episode of the Mixtape Tales podcast. My name is Paul, and uh, it's been a while since I've uh, really had a chance to do this with job situations and all that. But now I'm back, and I'm it's better than ever because joining me today on the podcast, Coley Meadows. What is going on? Um, well, not as much as would be going on if we weren't in a pandemic. But you know, got home from a pandemic-style wedding. Um, that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> wow. But other than that, and I think I was doing photography for it. So uh, that was that was the first time I've taken uh, pictures of people, like professional style pictures, with masks on. So. Oh wow. Like this is really weird, but that's good. It's good. Right. That that is that is the world we live in, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I know. It was. I was glad everyone was wearing masks. Like I was, you know, impressed. But right. it was. It was still weird. I was like, this is. This is odd. This is different. It's very very. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So, um, if people don't know you, I can't imagine anybody doesn't. But if people don't know you, who are you and and what do you do? Yeah, so um, my name's Coley. I am a musician. I play in the band Gimme Arc. I also do other styles of art, too. I Right before <laughs> quarantine, I had my first big uh, art exhibition. Um, so that was exciting. But then lockdown happened, so it got, like, cut in half. But it was really good, the first half. It was awesome. So, yeah, I just... I'm just do various art things. I also do work um, with small businesses and uh, just a little bit of everything, I guess. I, I, it's, it's hard because I feel like everything kind of changed as soon as the pandemic hit. Because right. um, it went from everything kind of being focused on like music and art to now it's like focus on music and art, but it's also my job, you know that I work in like a bakery and coffee shop. So I feel like that's like my, my new normal is just being there and, you know, doing that. Right. What sort of art did you have in the exhibition? What, what, uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was, it's, it was super, um, it was, uh, it was difficult for me. It was, it was a weird one. It, It pushed me definitely a lot creatively, because it was actually um, a whole exhibition. Um, there was four other artists, and it was selfies. It was self-portraitures. Um, it was the it was the idea of that selfies are high art. So it was super weird because I'm not used to being the subject of right. my art, and it was it 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 was uncomfortable. But I I loved it. I was so glad to do it. I had like. 300 photos um and it was it was super cool i i had them from like the past six or seven years 
so it was like different emotions I was having, like when I went through really like depressive episodes or really bad anxiety attacks or um, some, you know, just whatever I was feeling that day, I had been like um, taking pictures uh, wow. just for myself. I never planned on sharing those with anyone, let alone blowing them up and putting 300 of them on a wall. <laughs> right. Um, it was super cool. All the artists I worked with on that were, were great. Uh, it was nice. a really good experience. Um, it was a, a Wild Goose Creative in Columbus, which is a really cool art space um, down here. Very, very cool. All right. So you and I kind of met at YesFM. We were kind of, I think we did like a whole hour of share together once. Yeah. So I was just... And then ever since, I've just kind of been stalking you on, I mean, uh, been your friend on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. The, yeah, we were kind of, <laughs> I think I was, I kind of came in as you were kind of towards the end of your time at ESFM. I think so. And, uh, yeah, that was, ESFM was great. It was fun. It was. Um, but, yeah, everybody was so friendly that I'm still friends with a lot of people from there. Um, I saw Ashley, like not that long ago, um, she was down in Columbus. Um, we were at a show, and I was like, "Hey, what's up, man? What are you doing down yeah. here?" So that was cool. Yeah, Ashley was awesome. She was a guest on another episode of this podcast, actually. Oh, so she? talking yeah. about her band and everything. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you grew up in the Tiffin area, right? Yeah, yeah, I grew up around Tiffin, Ohio. All right, so that's pretty. That's uh, you know, like in Lima, Jim Jordan's district. Pretty. Yes. <laughs> Pretty, uh, and all that entails, <laughs> Jim Jordan yes. thing. Can you tell me a little bit about growing up and kind of what it was like for you growing up as a, um, as an outsider kind of? Yeah, so, so um, I am a, like Latino, um, Latina, and uh, I, I do need to preface it with that I, my, my dad is white and my mom is, is Latina. And so I do now, I have now learned that I have, a light of, a lot of um light passing um white passing privilege mm-hmm. um but growing up in tiffin <laughs> i did not i was not uh in that in that category which is like now as an adult i'm like wow i can't i can't believe the difference between growing up in tiffin and then moving to columbus where i live now and that's not, it's only like two hours away. Like it's not mm-hmm. that big of a difference, but city wise it, it is, uh, is very different, but yeah, Tiffin, there's, there was a lot of good things. It was, it was nice to grow up in like a small town, but it was very hard not being white. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I, I had a lot of issues with, uh, certain teachers that just hated me. Um, for no reason, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't uh, even really loud or anything. Mm-hmm. I, it was just interesting to to have dynamics, um, especially in like rural Ohio. Most people associate um, Latinos very like very poorly. They th- they think very poorly of migrant workers, mm-hmm. and they so they think very poorly of everyone that looks like migrant workers. And um, it's all terrible. It's like it's no one should do that. But it, it's just the way that it is. So I would have like teachers and, you know, people ask me like, oh, does your family work in the fields? Oh, and 
and that's fine. Like it's fine, but it, it was the the tone. Right. Um, and I was a kid, and I didn't really understand what they were talking about until I was older. And and then it it, it was it was angering, and and of course so of course like if the teachers if some if there were teachers that could have problems, there were a lot of kids that could would make fun of me out loud during class and being from a place that was there were so few minorities in general everyone just got thrown into the same pot um, right. I my I don't I don't know it was it was it was interesting there was a a lot of things that I do appreciate about where I grew up but like like when it comes specifically to race I was very much put on the outside like I I what I didn't I didn't fit into any of the the culture um which yeah. now I'm kind of grateful for I think that's why I can like analyze things I don't have to go along with um, any crowd that I'm in because I'm not used to fitting into crowds um so I'm not going to say that I'm not I'm not like sad or um you know m- like have any issues with what happened Right. Um, but that's just what it's like growing up in rural Ohio. It can be scary. I um, after high school, I went to college, and my mom and I purchased a coffee shop together in Tiffin, and uh, we faced a lot of of racism with that. I would have people could just yell slurs at me and through the, my door, and wow, um, yeah, and it was just stuff like that which now I like I would be very blown away by but at the time it was just like oh of course they did you know right. and we kind of just laughed it off like okay like you're a genius you know you think right. that's okay but you know then when I moved to Columbus like we sold my coffee shop it's just a super interesting story side note like a missionary came from Laos and well, she was from Toledo originally, but she was uh, working missions in Laos, and she felt called back to run a coffee shop. Um, and it was oh, right wow. as me and yeah, it was right as me and James were getting ready to move to Columbus so that we could focus more on the band because it was very hard to have a coffee shop and and do music full time. Sure. Um, so she just came, and it was kind of like, oh, there she is. I guess God called her home from Laos. She has the shop. She still has it today. Wow. So, That's really cool. so that was, yeah, that was like a little side note, but, um, oh, but yeah, when, when we moved down here, it was also very weird because I realized that like, I'm white passing, <laughs> like, yep. I can blend into crowds <laughs> and other situations. Right. Um, so it was very weird to, to see that, that shift, uh, because I still don't feel necessarily like I fit in. Um, yeah. but I had to recognize that that I do it was just being in a very segregated place where I didn't you know fit fit the the bill for them (laughs) very interesting yeah yeah I mean I am you know middle-aged white guy so I have nothing to add to this but it's just very interesting to to hear that conversation and to hear that take on it because um, in my hometown um, especially lately there have been a lot of there's been a large influx of of you know mostly people from Mexico um, mm-hmm. coming in and there's a lot of that racism. Yeah. Uh, 
inherent and it's just kind of interesting to hear that story even though you you know you're american born and raised and all of that but it's just very yeah and and that's what like you know not to you know get on a tangent but it is there has always been a lot of hate i feel like especially in this area or a lot of not necessarily hate but like um everyone thinks you're they're better than Latinos in rural Ohio or a lot of people um, act that way. But like the current administration uh, has not made that easier. And and, uh, to where even now in Columbus where I, you know, I'm, I'm lighter skinned and like I said, can be white passing I still get people will still think that they can just scream things at me if I'm walking down the street, you know, and uh, so that so that has been weird, but I can't even imagine for the people that are coming over. And and a really interesting fact is uh, a lot of people are actually not Mexican that are coming in from the Mexican border. They're actually from a lot of them are from Central America. Yeah. So, you know, Mexico actually has a has uh, some pretty good stable things going on right now so there's not as much of an influx of of mexican people where it's uh people are getting stuck at the border they don't have a home anymore they've been forced out of you know central america honduras guatemala a lot of those places that are there they have some real um you know problems with drug cartels and stuff and then these people get up to the border between the U.S. and Mexico, and they're just stuck there. And sometimes living in they, they'll put there's little shanty towns, and and then when they come over here, it's sometimes harder, um, but right. still but still safer than living <laughs> in a place with a drug cartel. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so yeah, a million years ago when um, this was before this pandemic. Uh, slowed everything down um you know <clears throat> the biggest story was trump and, the, and his border wall and uh all the kids in cages so there's yeah. definitely still an immigration crisis in this country whether or not mm-hmm. uh, it's on the news or anything like that uh what what do you have to say to, to folks about the immigration issues that are here in this country yeah i mean i i feel like there's the the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico, I, I'm not like a history major or anything, so I don't know a ton of it. I just know like what I've chosen to educate myself with. And so my number one thing would be for people to educate themselves about what's going on at the border because it's it's kind of crazy. And, you know, there's been times Mexico hasn't wanted their people to leave for the U.S. because too many people, when we had more of an open border system, too many Mexicans were leaving and coming to America and they didn't have enough people to fill jobs there. Right. So I understand that there is a balance to, to all of this, that, you know, you, there needs to, we need to have it so that people are getting paid well and safe in their country. So that they want to be there and also be able to come to the, this country if, if they want to. Um, but like what's going on right now is, is particularly sad because these people are basically not basically they are refugees they need safety from living in dangerous places and it's not illegal to come to the u.s as a refugee and they've they've tried to implement like things where like 
you can only go to a country beside you or you have to be denied um, sanctuary in a country beside you before you can come to the U.S. Like they, they put in like weird restrictions like that. But like it is still legal for people to to, tr- to come to this country and claim asylum. But right. we're ripping kids away and putting them in like scary camps. Um, now they're putting them in like hotels where they can't talk to anyone. Like they're not letting them even get legal advice from from lawyers that want to take their immigration cases. It's it's bad. Like, you know, kids are asking for help. Right. <laughs> um, adults are asking for help and they're putting up signs and there's just like nothing that anyone can, can really do. And, and I know that it's, it's hard and it, it's scary for, for us to think of people with different cultures and um, different ideas, but like, these are families that are coming. These aren't like right. rapists and murderers. Like Trump would want you to think, that's just not the situation. And that's, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like, I'm not an expert in this and I wouldn't know how to fix it fully. Right. Um, but I know that what we have right now is is not acceptable. ICE going to people's houses for no reason. Like, if they're yeah. just living here peacefully, I just don't understand. There is a woman in Columbus who was, like had to live in a church because ice can't go into like churches or places of worship, I guess there was a, a church that took this woman in because ice was trying to deport her. So her family like couldn't like had to go see her at this church. Like she was there for over a year. She hadn't broken, broken any laws. She had been here for like, I think 25 years illegally. And they were, like, waiting outside to take her away. Wow. And, uh, like, you know, just crazy stuff. There was a, a case in, um, it was around Tiffin. Um, Tiffin actually has a, uh, I don't know if this is still, it has to be, but I know that the jail in Tiffin used to be a place that they put people that were getting deported. It was a holding tank, like, cell. Oh, wow. And, uh. This, I think it was this year or late last, it might have been last year. They ice of like took a like 78 year old woman um, that didn't speak any English and took her to jail. They didn't know what medication she needed, they didn't know anything like nobody. And, and of course, um, where she was at, a predominantly white area, there was no one that would speak Spanish with her. Yeah. So a lawyer friend of mine asked me if, if I knew anyone that could go speak with her up there. And um, we got in touch with, with some organizations that, that could um, because she, my friend knew. She's like, you're from Tiffin and do, who, what Latinos are there? <laughs> like, We need somebody to go speak Spanish. She's not going to want to speak to anyone that's white at this point because they just came and arrested her. Sure. Like, she needs to find a friend that can, that can go speak with her. So we had to help with like coordinating some of that, but it, it's, it's terrible that they're just picking people off yeah. of their communities. You know, <laughs> like, like, and these are pretty, this woman had been here for decades and never committed a crime, you know, wow. <laughs> just very weird. Yeah, that is, you know, that's, not yeah, word is word is not the word I would use, but 
yeah. I use a lot of other words about that. Um, yeah. Okay, so we've been talking about you know music and you know you owned the the coffee shop and now we're talking about the immigration battle. So you know one of the reasons I do this podcast is to talk about people and and what they're most passionate about. What is it that you are most passionate about at this point in your in your life? Oh man, that's a that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> or one of the things that you're most passionate. Yeah, I'm I'm passionate. I'm very passionate about. There's so many things I'm passionate about. I'm I'm very passionate about feminism because okay. I think especially growing up in like a conservative church upbringing, there was a lot of oppression for me of that. I I don't I I, I I'm passionate about getting rid of oppression in general whether it's racism feminism body positivity body neutrality like just letting people be free in who they are and to know that they're they're good enough and you know it's hard because I feel like there's so much in the world right now that tells people that they're not good enough (laughs) for various reasons Um, and it's it's frustrating to try to want to kill that spirit and kill that idea (laughs) Um, when it's just reinforced in a lot of areas. So this is the part now we kind of switch and talk a little bit about God and and spiritual beliefs, because you did mention the church that you kind of grew up in. Can you tell me kind of where you're at now on your quote unquote spiritual journey? I so hate that phrase, but (laughs) it's, it's hard. It's, I mean, I feel like I'm in a really good spot with God. <laughs> I, I, it's a thing I, I continually seek to have a relationship with God. I do totally believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ, but at the same time, sometimes I'm feeling further and further away from like the church, yes. quote unquote, in general. Um, I feel like there's like a a bigger and bigger division between. Uh, what I what I read and and research and see in Jesus and in what the Holy Spirit tells me and has me feel about people other people and what how the church behaves and and I I feel like specifically with musicians and and growing up you know working in the Christian music scene and on in so many different levels um, including radio it's it's still like it's heartbreaking but it makes sense a lot of sense to me to see so many artists like come out as atheists Mm -hmm. um or you know agnostic and uh, like i see the urge because i feel what they're feeling especially you know a lot of you know creative or musically minded people are are um so empathetic and we have uh, messages and ideas that we want to communicate to people any way that we can, especially through music. And then when it's like, you know, you go to these, some of these like super Christian festivals and they will ask you not to play a certain song if it's, if it's not Christian enough or, you know, they, they put these restrictions on it. Like uh, I don't personally smoke, but, when I was in a band, there was, you know, we, there was different people that smoked in the band and they'd be like, yeah. you can't smoke it here. And I was, you know, you have to hold up this image. It, it gets kind of 
frustrating to always be holding up a certain image all the time. Yep. Um, and I think that that's just in the church in general, but from a musical standpoint, it, it gets, you know, like you don't want to do certain things in front of kids. I'm not, I'm not, you just shouldn't do that in front of children, but right. I don't know. It's, it's still just like putting out this perceived notion of like super churchy Christians that all think the same way that I feel like is really pushing people further from it. And, you know, I try really hard to be like, no, I, I want to keep the name Christian. I think I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. That's how I see myself. But it's hard as that divide gets deeper. <laughs> yes. Oh, it absolutely is. And um, I went from YesFM and for a short time I worked at a very, 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 conservative Christian radio station here in Lima. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, oh, he's my you know, liberal Christian friend. And I kind of at first thought it was kind of funny and I laughed it off. But I'm like, no, I mean, no, because y'all are so far to the right and it's just so conservative and just, yeah. Uh, so I totally get what you're saying. Um, absolutely. And you know, when, you know, the guy from Hawk Nelson said he was an atheist, it hurt me a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I get that because yeah. there are times, you know, I go to my church and I'm like, really? I mean, you know, not so much at my church, but mm-hmm. I've been to other churches. Anyway, yeah. it just amazes me how many people just somehow figured out that, oh, you know what? If you're a Christian, that means you're a Republican. And if you're a Republican, then you support Trump. Yeah. Um, I I don't get it. Maybe you can help me. <laughs> Four I, years into his presidency. I mean, how does that, I what don't, is that? I, you know, I don't get it. I have been, I thought it was a joke when he was running. Yeah. And I just didn't think that, that Christians would blindly support him. Or like, the, I don't want to say all Christians, because there's a lot of Christians that yeah. don't. But, no, for sure. um, but the majority, it gets, it gets scary. Cause you see like so many that do, I, I just, I, I really wasn't expecting it. And it, it really, this, it changed how I see some people. Yeah. Um, and, and I hate that because I didn't want that, but then, you know, some of those same people, especially like the internet, which is just mm. a, terrible place yes it is. <laughs> i mean it's a wonderful and terrible place all at the same yeah. time but you know there was people that i had you know grown up going to church with that were all of a sudden posting nasty memes about you know wanting to get mexicans out of this country and i'm like hello like <laughs> <laughs> right. why would you post that like i've known you from church like that's not churchy like that's not godly that's right like what what is going on and it became this that just drove the division so much deeper yeah it's very weird i don't i like i truly don't understand i i do have like i don't have that many family members but um james probably my husband probably has more um family members that do support trump and it is difficult to to even have a conversation about politics at this point (laughs) yeah yeah i mean this whole time i've been doing this podcast i've seriously said every time and if there's somebody listening right now that wants to great come on let me know yeah i want to talk to a rational republican about why they support this guy not as opposed to 
Hillary or opposed to Joe Biden. There's issues there, too, for me. But, you know, just in general, like, why do you support this guy? I I made the mistake earlier today of driving to Wapak, Wapakata, Mm -hmm. Ohio, and like down the road, it's like Trump, 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 Trump. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's he doing for you? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, where are you benefiting from this? Yeah. But anyway. It's, it, it just feels like a really uh, bad, like, team mentality. Um, yeah. And that's why I always, I have to remind myself, like, okay, it's Ohio. We have OSU, which has some of the meanest fans ever. <laughs> like, True. Like, Ohio State fans are aggressive. Yes. And I feel like they're like that with politics, too. And yeah, like it's, it's weird. Like I, I, I live in Columbus, which is like the liberal bubble of, of Ohio. Right. Um, we have a few of those, but, but Columbus is, is a big one. And it's weird because I don't see any Trump signs or anything in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, but whenever, if I go home or like, you know, we haven't really been traveling for shows this year, but you know, I would see that and, I, and I'm just like, what? Like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> like, what, what has gotten better in specifically rural Ohio yep. with Trump as president that wasn't already done when Obama was president? And I, like, I have my, my issues with Obama too, but sure. like, but that's the thing. I don't have to pretend like any man is perfect that is running the country. Right. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't really like you know I, I'm not a, a follower of of any uh, persons in this world right now you yeah. know um, so I, I I can find fault with with people that I respect right um, but I don't respect Donald Trump at all <laughs> yeah I mean um, I just need I'm just making that point clear but yeah it's it's very it's it's I don't I don't get it it, it feels almost like brainwashy to me yes. like, like what yeah, what absolutely. did i miss <laughs> right like when did this happen yeah he was on the apprentice six years ago what is yeah. going on like and i don't what, get i thought he was bad then like he was not yeah. a nice person no he's horrible <laughs> yeah. like, like that's always been his thing it's like being a rich like jerk yeah I really never understood like the appeal of like wanting that person to be the face of our country, no. unless we're truly that greedy, and maybe we are. Yeah, I would like to think not, but I, you know, sometimes <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, you mentioned earlier you talked about kind of the internet and uh, how it's evil on every podcast. <laughs> I feel like I talk about how messed up Facebook is and how I need to stop. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of your posts. I doing some <laughs> research. Yeah, so. You're <laughs> very, very opinionated, and I yeah. love it, and I guarantee I, you, I know, agree with like, everything. But I'm sure you get some trolls, because I get trolls, and yeah. I get you know my racist pro-Trump family members chiming in. How do you deal with that? Like, because I've unfriended so many people, and, yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes some of those, some of my posts are used to just like draw them out. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like it reminds me of like a sickness. Like you have to draw it out. You have to get it out. You got to get it out of your life. Weed it out. And yes. I don't, I don't need that in my life. I think I have gotten rid of most people or they've unfriended me. That happens a lot too. Um, yeah. Because I, like, I have always been raised to have a voice and, and especially, you know, being a minority where I grew up, like 
no one was going to advocate for me. I've never had that as an option. Like that's, you know, um, I mean, my parents and stuff, but when I would go to school, I had to like fend for myself, you know, like you have to, you have to either let the whole world crap on you or like find your voice. Right. And so I did that and uh, I am, I'm very opinionated and, and sometimes like, I've, I've tried to actually like back off, but then like, I see some like dumb stuff that people post or things that people say. And I'm like, I just, I have to, I have to comment. Right. Like I have to. Um, <laughs> and if it, like, and I probably only post or comment on 5% of what I want to say. Yeah. Most of the time, sometimes I'll write out whole things with like cited work. Like I'll do like full like essays and then I'm just delete it. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fight with this person. It's, yeah. it's dumb. And, 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 but then sometimes I'm like, no, like this, I, I cannot stand for like fascism and racism and, you know, certain, certain things, definitely, you know, sexist stuff just can't do it. Like I, I'm going to have to say something, <laughs> you know, right. it was especially weird with, um, you know, being active, in the minimally active in the Black Lives Matter protests down here and and supporting people that, that were heavily involved in it, it was weird that there was opposition to that. Right. Um, and that was like a thing that I like couldn't let go. You know, like saying people getting mad at the idea of like defunding the police, but like it's really sad that we've been defunding schools for decades and yes. basically giving that money to the police so that they're fully militarized, which doesn't benefit anyone like that. Right. But we should all, it's not just, just black people that they can kill. They can kill all of us. Like eventually this will affect everyone. The fact, you know, that they have tanks and <laughs> weird things that they don't need. And, and there's no social workers or there's minimal social workers in the community and most of calls like need a mental health professional, you know, so it's, you know, there's ideas like that, that people get really upset about and it really hurts them. But it's like, you know what, you guys have been defunding children yeah. for, forever. And that's, that's been okay. Like <laughs> they don't even have a voice in this, you know, <laughs> like at least right. cops can like speak up and be like, no, we need that money. Like kids don't get a say, they can't vote. You know? <laughs> right. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, yeah, I, I am probably a little opinionated. <laughs> well, no, it's, that's perfectly fine. I, I'm all for yeah. it. I'm, like I said, I'm here for it and I completely agree, but that's why I wanted to talk to you because I'm like, yes, at least it will not be, it won't yeah. be boring. Yeah, <laughs> no, be I, interesting. You might get hate mail after this, but I do have opinions. Uh, no, I'm no. good. Let's, let's go. Yeah, yeah, no. And that's like trolls, like sometimes they don't it doesn't even like phase me anymore like I don't right. even care and I like I have to watch myself because I can just keep going with it and sometimes oh. I usually have to just stop and be like I think that you're wrong and I have facts and if you're choosing to reject those facts then that says more about you than anyone else exactly. <laughs> just drop it exactly um, it's hard to I, do. yeah it is it's hard <laughs> I have like had to get to the point of like um, un like not following like my local news places, 
um, because I don't know if you've ever read the comment sections of a local news thread, yeah. but they are it's just trolls eating each other it is <laughs> like, and i'm just like this is not healthy <laughs> no i need to just i'll find my news elsewhere <laughs> <laughs> right right up here there's every time there's a, a post about dewine and his uh press conferences it's non-stop just like trolling on dewine which yeah. i used to be there for but like i think he's doing a decent job <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's weird because i'm like forcing myself i'm like in this weird position where I have to defend Mike DeWine, which I don't yeah, want to be. Which I didn't ever want to do. <laughs> like, right. I don't even, I did not vote for the man. No. Um, but it's, he, what I love about Mike DeWine, because I do feel like he gets so much crap. Like people just, which is weird because it's, it's, I feel like it's a lot of like the conservative quote unquote yes. people who like wanted DeWine in there. Right. And now he's like not conservative enough. And they act like he's like, you know Bernie Sanders sometimes like <laughs> the way that they treat him and I, I just don't get it because I'm like y'all are like he's rational and and yeah. we're we're willing to meet in the middle and, and that's what I've noticed like a big difference is like now Mike DeWine has a lot of like more liberal like Democrat support yes and less which like remember that DeWine was endorsed by Donald Trump right he was so like <laughs> But those same people that love Donald Trump now hate Mike DeWine. Right. And it's easier for them to call him, like, weird things than to admit that the virus is real. I don't know. <laughs> it's very weird times. And that's I always feel like that, too. I was like, I never thought that I'd be like, way to go, Mike DeWine. You're doing something. <laughs> right. And, like, the yeah. only reason he got tested for COVID was because he was going to meet Trump. I mean, that, you know. I, I just don't believe that he wanted to meet Donald Trump. I really like, <laughs> I know that's a conspiracy, but I either think that like Trump didn't want to meet him because yeah. he's done too much uh, for Ohio during the pandemic yep. um, and hasn't followed Trump's ideas um, to a T yep. or that Mike DeWine was like, I can't go meet him. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I can't do it. <laughs> I would love that to be the thing. I would love that to be the thing where DeWine decided he didn't want to meet Trump. <laughs> yeah. I would love for that to be the thing. It's probably the other way around, but I probably want um, DeWine to be the one in control. Like, yeah, I want him yes. to no, I didn't want to meet him. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. But yeah, I don't really know. But it was very weird. <laughs> it was very, very weird. <laughs> I, the whole state is suspicious, though. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, everybody's got their theory one way or the other. Yeah, that's what it's our unifying idea is that right. someone didn't want to meet someone in that situation. <laughs> that's right. Reunite yeah. under that flag. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Switching gears a little bit. You were one of the first bands. Get in the Ark was one of the first bands to sign up um, for the very first Concert of Hope way back in the day. And, and I greatly, greatly appreciate you guys for that. Um, kind of talk about how the band started and uh, what's going on with the band now or what was yeah. going on with the band pre-pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah, we were basically all family. It originally started with uh, my husband, James, his brother, Davey, and his sister, Becky. And James has been a songwriter since he was 15, so he had a bunch of songs and didn't know what to do with them. So he just made a little family band. Uh and then they, you know, added in some other friends. And uh, when me and James got married, I kind of got 
thrown into it too. I think the Concert of Hope was actually one of the first shows I played with the band. I was really nice. nervous. Yeah. Uh, I was too. It was my first like big yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> just nerves everywhere that night. Pretty much. Pretty that was much. that was we. That's also when we met Fever Fever. Yes. Um, those are super. They're super solid guys. Yes. Um, that's kind of how the band started. Uh, and and it, it, we've it's been a band for like a long time because it's a it's family for the most yeah. part. We do. It's funny because we're named Get in the Ark, and then the only person in the band. Well, that's no, not true. There's two people, but one of the one of the people in the band that's not related to us is actually named Noah, our drummer. Oh, nice. So that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we we did the concert of hope. That was like right after I think the first album came out, which was like a lo-fi. Like we recorded it in the basement of our coffee shop, and it was kind of like one of those things where we had recording equipment <laughs> from the the college next door and Tiffany University and uh one of the professors like just liked us and wanted to record it so we just took everything in the basement and it was just like recorded and and you got what you got (laughs) so any mistakes that were in there were still in there um but it was a fun album and then you know we put out a couple other EPs some music videos and then in I think 2017 now a couple years ago um we did our first high production full-length album which was really really exciting um we put a lot of like time and effort into it but what i didn't realize is that by the time you time and effort that you put into an album and then you get it out and then you just kind of like wait for people to like it <laughs> right. and and when that doesn't happen right away it's like it's just like a shot in the gut um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and it, and it, you know it's hard to promote, and there's just so your people are getting advertised to you all the time, so you don't want to like burden somebody with your, you know, art. But we we did we got we picked up a few festivals with that. We played um, Audio Feed Festival, which is like the new cornerstone. Okay. Played some stuff, and we we had a right now we have a single that we haven't put out yet. It's just sitting. Um, on my computer currently so that's kind of every, everybody in the band after everything we went through getting the album out and um, promoting it and playing a bunch of shows um, we all kind of needed a, a break for a minute because right. we had been in the band doing stuff for probably eight years Wow. Um, we did some tours and stuff so we were kind of like okay we're not getting rid of the band like it'll always exist especially because it's family. Right. Um, but we all kind of needed space away from it to let it, you know, just do what it needed to do. I don't know. It, it, it was one of those things, especially with, with the last album that like uh, James like went up in our attic and, and wrote it in like one month, oh, the wow. whole thing. And uh, it, it was very, um, it was, it was different for us. Uh, we had kind of been a little bit more folky in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and the last album was a little more like folk rock, maybe. So it was uh, it was a little bit different. And usually we just straight up told Bible stories. And the song would be called like Samson or 
Noah or <laughs> right. whatever. Um, we did a whole EP on Sodom and Gomorrah. It's called Dust and Ashes. So this one was a little bit more abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of wanted to call, not call out the church on some things. We kind of wanted to approach the church on some issues that we were seeing yeah. um, and some ideas that we were seeing. And it ended up, the whole arc of that album was about um, like Lucifer's fall from heaven and betraying God and, and, you know, being on earth and, and how we feel as humans caught between those two ideas of, you know, of Satan and, and God and, and how we behave and things we feed into. And so it was, it was this really uh, uh, high arched album And then, like, the problem that we ran into is that, you know, a lot of churches that had had us play in the past um, because they liked our, like, cute Bible songs. Right. Did not like this album. Yeah. But also, a cool, like, hipster atheist crowd did not like this album because it was, for them, it was way too Christian. And then for Christians, it was way too not christian enough (laughs) so we got kind of stuck in this like weird bubble with it yeah uh, it's hard when when you have something like that and and you were really passionate about it and you really felt like it had like a message that you know god wanted to get out and then like neither side of your audience is uh vibing with it um so you know it is it is what it is it was it was fun there was still some really great songs on that album i really like uh dark days that's about like uh televangelists um taking advantage and politicians taking advantage of of people you know so but and that that's cool and i like it and i'm glad that it calls that out but like then what mega church is going to have us come play if they're (laughs) right (laughs) makes it a little tough Left in our heart, working round. 
like a another single to put out and um james has um, had some solo projects davy his brother had a solo project an ep that just dropped um james is about to drop a another ep just solo stuff you know it's especially during quarantine it's not like we can like super meet up as and play as a band anywhere so so everybody's kind of been focusing on their own stuff which it has been good for me too because then i got to in an art exhibition and yeah. you know do other creative things that that I've wanted to make time for that I couldn't do when we were playing shows every weekend and Great. going on little tours you know okay so this is called mixtape tales the original idea um was to talk about people's favorite songs and music mm-hmm. and stuff like that so I still have that question um yeah. what would you say is your favorite song or one of your favorite songs of all time and why yeah of all time Man, I, I like I listen to so much stuff. But I, I like think about I've thought about this question for like a while, and I still yeah. have trouble with it because I don't know. There's so much great music out there. If I had to pick one song, one favorite song, I don't know. I, I would say a lot of stuff by the band Not a Surf. Um, they have a song <laughs> called Happy Kid that just makes me feel good. It's just like a nice feel good song. It's not necessarily like the deepest song in the world sure. but every time it comes on it like makes me happy nice. but that's you know the band not a surf oh i love them they don't really like tour much anymore The like yeah. <laughs> they're like what late 90s early 2000s like pop yeah. punk band um but love them they're one of my favorites so yeah probably that song if not that i i, lo- I have like a, a secret like love of keith green okay um, which <laughs> that's like old school christian music yeah. i feel like most people really like are drawn to like elton john's music but i'm drawn to like keith green's for that same kind of vibes like i feel like they have similar <laughs> similar sounds to their music but yeah. I, I think he was a really good good communicator um through his music mm-hmm. and and he was able to kind of call out stuff pretty well so yeah, those would probably be some of my favorites. Great. Um, yeah, not a surf did that song popular. That's the only song I really know about them. That was their only. They were they were like a wonder yeah. wonder. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I know that one song. I feel so proud. I you should listen to more of it because I tell you what, they are a solid band. Like every one of their albums, fantastic. <laughs> I really really should. I meant to ask you before. Do you play and get in the arc? What do, I know, but just to tell everybody, like, what, what, what's what your I, musical, yeah. in, like your instrumentation and what you play? Yeah, 
So I kind of uh, just was filling. I would play whatever weird instrument they threw at me. My favorite instrument that I played is Omnichord, which is like a electronic harp yeah. from the 80s. That's my favorite. But sometimes I play saw. Yeah. Um, that was weird. Some people really hated that. I got a lot of like, I got very mixed reviews when I would play saw. I guess saw is one of those things that's it's more fun to play than to listen to, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had to had to figure balance find balance in that because it is really fun. Um, yeah. Ukulele. I played ukulele, bells. Wow. Um, just you know anything. I just I tried to keep the songs like kind of ambient, like have like nice little pretty parts. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just what for a while I played a suitcase. Um, when yes. we didn't have a drummer, <laughs> so that was fun, and it actually sounded the, the the suitcase that I had sounded like a pretty good, decent bass drum. But nice. um, yeah, just I was just kind of there hanging out, and yeah. they just threw instruments at me, and I had I went to to college for music, so I had enough knowledge from that to kind of at least pick up most instruments. I yeah. found. <laughs> Yeah, because I told my friend that I was doing um, this podcast with you, and she goes, she's the one that played the saw. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So like, six years ago, seven years ago, you're still remembered for that. That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> getting back to the whole music thing, sorry. A lot of people have a lot of people have a big struggle trying to figure out what their favorite song is, but most people always know this next question, and that is, what's your least favorite song? Oh, my least favorite song. I don't know. There's a lot of songs I hate, too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, oh, crap, I can't even think of the name of it. That's how much I hate it. It's a Taylor Swift song. It's the one where she was like, came out and had all the snake stuff. And she was like, blaming everybody for being mean to her. Look what you made me do. That one. Okay. That's my least favorite song ever. I don't like I don't... it when people blame other people for their behavior. <laughs> so... Right. <laughs> not a fan. Sorry, Taylor. <laughs> no, she, I'm, I guarantee you she's not listening to this, so you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, she'll never find out. I don't <laughs> no, think she cares about my opinion anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's probably also true. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're probably good, but that's my least favorite song. All right. A <laughs> couple more questions, then we'll let you go. Who plays you in the movie version of your life? Oh, man. So I would pick America Ferreira. She is one of my favorite actresses, yep. Latina, and I like I love her. And she played like Ugly Betty, and uh-huh. I did that costume, and people like thought I was her. It was weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would still want her to play me. <laughs> cool, cool. And what words of wisdom do you have for future generations? Oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right now, it's to vote. <laughs> yes. We don't have as as many freedoms in this country as you think, but we do have the the freedom to vote. And if everyone does it, it does make a difference. <laughs> yes. Especially in your like local and state elections, those are the ones that we can really truly like control how our lives are based on the people that we elect. All right. Talk about Bake Me Happy and kind of where you're at with that. Yeah, so um, Bake Me Happy is a bakery here in Columbus. It's 100% gluten-free. So we serve people that have like celiac disease, Crohn's disease, a lot of different stuff like that. It is black-owned and LGBTQ-owned. So it's just a really 
cool spot. And it's been interesting because we've done so well through the pandemic. And usually, you know, it's also like women owned that the biz the making happy is. So mm-hmm. usually being like, you know, a minority and women owned and LGBTQ owned go against you. But with everything that's happened this year, it's like helped bring people into, you know, finding out about what gluten-free stuff is and, and trying our stuff and like coming and, and having community with us. Um, so that's been really cool. We also did a TV show, which I got completely cut out of a hundred percent. There is no me in it, which is okay. Right. I was, uh, I, it's fine. I don't like seeing myself on in videos and stuff, but we did a TV show with, um, Tan France from Queer Eye. Okay. Right. The one that does all the fashion stuff for people. Yeah, we were on a TV show that Facebook put out. Yeah, that was super weird. So I got to hang out with Tan France for a few days. That's pretty cool. And uh, then I got cut out of the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I didn't really want right. to be in it anyways. I just wanted the experience of, of being around right. one of the Fab Five. So, and that, that premiered, uh, I think, in sometime in June. So that kind of like boosted baking happy up to like another level so it's been it's fun like it's a fun place to to work uh, it's definitely you know a, a more productive thing to do during the pandemic than nothing so right um, <laughs> so we've been busy busy there it's and it's still like it's great because it's still a very creative environment and it's also very like a a very like positive environment where everybody wants everyone to succeed and I was like this is why women should run things like women push each other up <laughs> you know well they yep. should and, what I'm and saying. want want better so it's been it's been good there it's 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 been fun awesome all right um as you know the concert of hope is a thing uh, yeah. hope is a big deal how do you define hope how do I define hope hope is the breath that you have when you don't think you have any more <laughs> it's like the thing that keeps you going when there's nothing else nice. um, when everything's against you you still have that glimmer of like but what if um, yes. and that's that's hope um, that's awesome yeah it's one of the only things that we have <laughs> <laughs> right it's the only that's... things that can't be taken away that's right <laughs> That's that's really great. That's a good word. I always say that in every podcast. People make fun of. <laughs> All right. So, what gives you hope at this point in 2020 pandemic land, pandemic Trump oh, yeah. land? What gives you hope? Yeah. AOC. She gives me hope. She is yes. a spitfire. I love seeing somebody that looks like me, and uh, yeah. in politics, I've never had I never had that as a kid. So that's encouraging. And whether people agree with her or not i obviously do agree with her but um it's it's awesome to see more representation other things that give me hope plants i started i started getting a lot of plants because i feel like they're they remind me that you can be like calm and effective because they don't like talk or like beg for your attention but they're like a living being like they're like a creature and they they thrive with just minimal 
complaints. So, yeah. All right. Last question. Where can people find out stuff about you? Yeah. um, I I have like some, some things coming out with my art because I was sad that my art show got cut a little bit short, but um, yeah. So, but right now my, my Instagram um, also like, like all the get in the art stuff is on every major music platform, Spotify, Apple music, Yep. title we made it on beyonce's nice an accomplishment if i was like oh, it's, it's good <laughs> all of that money we spent we can be on title there you um, go but yeah it, um other than that mostly instagram is is where i t- i try not to be on uh, facebook active on facebook too much right now yeah for the i don't blame you yeah. i don't blame you um <laughs> what is your instagram so people can find you yeah it's um coley meadows together okay. and coley is k-o-l-i Meta. yeah all right cool um and also i gotta shout out your uh, twitter handle which is coley hates tweets i love that yeah That's just no I'm one like... ever gets that no one ever gets it i'm so glad i forgot that i had a twitter but i do and i mostly use it to fight to not to fight with but to call out local politicians when they do things that i don't love um right so that's funny if you're into that or if you want to know what things our local government is saying um right. you can follow me on there but that's pretty much all i do on that instagram yeah. is really where i post like what's going on and that make me happy and with music and art and stuff perfect all right anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked about i think we covered everything i think we got it i think i'm good got everything out I think... Feel cathartic awesome that's what this <laughs> is all about no yeah um yeah, so I, I think we've you know, angered people on all sides. So I think we've done our job here. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Thank you so that's, much. That's what, I, that's what I do. That's right. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to hear where we're getting the arc and just to kind of follow yeah. where you all go. Thanks. Yeah. All right, Coley. Well, thank you once again for doing this. I appreciate you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.